Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, good morning, My City Church. How many of you guys ready for the Word of God this morning, huh? In our week two of our collection of talks called Ghosted, how many of you guys enjoyed last week? The only person that you can change is who? Me. Well, I guess you could say that. The only person you can change is yourself. There we go. That would clarify it. And uh, this week I got a kind of building off of that message, and uh, I believe that God has a word for you today. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Mark chapter 7? Mark chapter 7, we're going to be starting in uh, verse 14. Jesus is talking to some Pharisees, uh, isn't he always, right? He's talking to some people. And uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 14, in our week two of Ghosted, got an exciting word to be able to share with you guys today. But we're going to dive right in because uh, I feel like I got a lot to cover and I believe that God is going to speak to you today. So uh, if you're there, we're going to be starting regardless if you're there or not. So here we go. Mark chapter 7, verse 14. Says this again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone who understand and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. If you're taking notes on anything, or if you don't think it's sacrilegious to write in your Bible, I'd highlight that, because that's what we're going to be hitting on today, is that what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. And when he says man, he's not just talking about the male Sex. It's talking about person. So what comes out of you is what makes you unclean, not what goes in you. From within, out of a man's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside a man and make a man unclean. Amen. I'm going to be excited to share this word with you guys today. Um, and And... We all know this to be true, right? We all know this to be somewhat true, like, no, no, no. It's not about what we wear or how we look. It's about, you know, our inside, right? But we all know that person that whether they're, 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 they're a jerk or they just don't care or, or they're the person that from the outward appearance, they say these words, And I want you to turn to your neighbor and say these words after me, the title of this message. Are you ready? It is what is on the inside that matters. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word that is true. God, we pray that you would speak to us today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your presence is here. We thank you that your word never returns void. So right now, God, we pray that you would speak to us today. God, open our eyes to see you. Heavenly Father, open our ears to hear you. Even throughout the week, we pray that we'd be able to drown out the noise and all the distractions of life and worries of this life. 
God, and we can come and we can be able to hear your word today. So Heavenly Father, here we are. We're saying, speak to us today. You know what we're going through. God, help us to preach a thousand messages today, God. Help me preach a thousand messages to each and every single person today. God, we thank you. Just right now, church, just open up your hands and say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, come on, put your hands together for the word of God today. Hey, this is one thing that I do know is that a person that is hungry knows where to find food. Do you guys agree with that? Hey, so I want you to set your hearts this morning ready to receive because I believe that God wants to speak to each and every single person today. So are you guys ready today? Amen, amen. Some of you guys might not believe this, but around 12 years ago, I ghosted Kelly. I know it's hard to believe. If any of you guys looked at the, how our relationship is, you would think that if anyone was gonna ghost anyone, she would ghost me. But that wasn't the case. I ghosted Kelly. Now, this word ghosted, it's just, it's just a term of like someone reaches out or they send a text or they send a, 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 something over to you and you never respond. You just ignore it. So hot leads in business, you know, you, the moment you share someone a price, hey, this is how much it's gonna cost, no matter what you do, send an email, phone call, text, they won't ever get back to you. That's where ghosting, that's what we're referring to when we're talking about ghosted. And about 12 years ago, I want to say is what it was, uh, Kelly sent me a text. And to this day, I have never replied to that text. It was a cold February night. <laughs> Friday evening. And I had that old, that archaic flip sliding phone. It wasn't a flip phone. It was a sliding phone. That was the cool kids had the sliding phones, right? Or at least I thought. And she was having a bunch of girls over at her house. And now these girls, they were all, you know, she was a youth leader. So they were teenagers, you know. And there was this thing going around where the girls would go around and they would grab uh, their leader's phone. And they would send, because you, you couldn't really lock phones back then. I'm sure you could, but I didn't know how. They would grab their leader's phone and they would send text messages. How mischievous is that? That's wrong. I mean, you could probably do it nowadays with Siri, but they would grab her phone and then they would send texts. People would do it with my phone all the time. My students would grab my phone and they would send text messages and I'd have to undo all the damage that was done. Well, this particular night on this cold February evening, I was sitting at my grandparents' house and my phone, which never happened before that nor after that, you know, those old Nokia phones, those batteries would last three, four days. But something happened in my pocket where it left the light on. And that night, my battery died. And that was the same night that she was having some friends over. And the friends were talking about who they liked. And I didn't know at the moment that she liked me. And so she sent over a text to her friend saying, hey, don't tell the girls tonight that I like Eli. What she didn't know is that that text that was meant to go to her friend, she was actually thinking about me. And when she typed in the contact of who to text, she actually sent that text to me rather than to her friend. <laughs> it's God's providence. Now, I had liked her before that, 
And, you know, I was just being patient with God and waiting for God to speak to her and, and for her to hear, you know. So I had liked her before that, but I didn't know that she liked me. So she sends this text to me, and I don't reply because my phone's dead. Then she sends another text. Hey, just FY, realizing what she did, we're having some girls tonight. If you get random texts, hey, just, just kind of ignore them. They're just friends. She sent about three, four, maybe five, I want to say five texts. It was three. Oh, and then a missed call and left me a voicemail. That's right. That's right. She remembers. She remembers. Well, I get home. I, we got home at around 1130 at night, and I plugged in my phone, and then it just starts buzzing. Bzz, 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 bzz. Kelly, 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 Kelly. And I took a moment to read the text, and I thought nothing of it. I was like, yeah, my students do it all the time. She sends me a voice, you know, because I, I believed her. I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. My students do it all the time. Hey, no worries, no pressure whatsoever. So I never even responded to her that night. The next morning I saw her and I didn't even talk to her. But in my head, I had responded to her. It wasn't until the next day on Sunday morning at church that I showed up early for prayer and she actually went up to Pastor Danny and said, Danny, if you find Eli, tell him that I'm looking for him. Do you remember this? Okay, good. <laughs> and I went down there, and she said these words to me. She said, so you know those texts that you got on Friday night? I said, yeah, what about them? And she goes, those were actually from me. And I thought I was texting my friend, but I sent it to you. So they're true. And the look on my face, man, I wish I could go back in time and take a picture of myself. I didn't say anything. I just smiled. I was like. I just smiled. Because it was something that I was hoping for came true. But I want to put into perspective what was going on in her heart. She was worried. She was anxious. All sorts of thoughts. We had a conversation last night. So what were you thinking? Well, maybe he doesn't like me. Maybe there's things going on in her head, like he's ignoring me now. Maybe he thought that what I said was inappropriate. Or maybe he's waiting for a more appropriate time to address this matter because, you know, I kind of said it out of immaturity. You know, if you're going to say you like someone, you don't do it over text. Just FYI, do it in person. And it's amazing to me how this little thing, a simple text message can get inside her heart and how she started letting her heart control the conversation and what her, she was thinking and what she was feeling. It can affect so much of our lives. Now, when I'm referring to heart, I'm not referring to your actual like beating heart. Doom, 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 doom. I don't break the light on the mic or anything. I'm not referring to your actual heart. I'm referring to your mind, your will, and your emotions. And her heart started to, started to take her down a path where she started to devalue herself Maybe there's something going on, what she's all reading into it. All the while, it was just a dead phone. And she was making up her own story in her head. And I can't help but think the words that Jesus says when he says, it's what comes out of a person. What comes out of a person is most important. And usually it's pressure in the things of life that actually reveal what is going on inside our hearts. Now, Jesus understood this, and I want to be able to highlight another man in the Bible by the name of David. David also understood this, how important it is for the heart, that we can have everything on the outside looking good, but if our heart's not right, 
We'll find that it'll affect all of our relationships. It will affect every single conversation. It'll affect our marriages, our parenting, our workplaces. He's saying you have to check your heart. And we pick up in Psalm 119, verse 111. David says this, your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. He's saying that my heart is set. Now that's the thing about the heart is that the heart has to continually be set because the heart can't be misdirected. The heart can be directed by outside pressures. It can be directed by your own emotions and your own feelings. Can I tell you today that you control your heart? You control your heart. Last week we talked about the one thing that we can change and that one thing that we can change is is you, yourself. That's the one thing that you can change. And we're talking about setting our heart today, the importance of setting our heart in the right direction. Now understand, and write this down, when you set your heart, you have to check your heart. Set your heart, check your heart. And you have to continually check your heart. And if you find that your heart is taking you down a path that you don't want to go, you have to get a defibrillator out, and you have to reset your heart. You have to set your heart, check your heart, and reset your heart. This is something that we will never graduate out of. You continually have to set your heart. And the important thing about setting in your heart is that it can be deceiving to know if you even have a right heart. It can be hard to know. You can look good on the outside, but lack a healthy heart. I was talking to a fitness professional one, one day, and uh, he, he asked me, he said, Eli, you're putting on a lot of muscle, man. You're looking good. I go like, yeah, you know, you know, just kind of like, you know, just, just giving, getting in the grind, you know, getting in the gym as much as I can. And he asked me this very pivotal question. He says, so like, what are you eating? What's your diet like? And if you guys knew my bulking season, I had a rule, not anymore, where I couldn't reject any kind of food. If people offered me food, I had to say yes. Even if I was full, even if their mouth looked disgusting and they had taken several bites out of the hamburger. I'm serious, y'all. <laughs> I could not reject it. I just had a rule for one year. I'm not gonna say no to food. And there, I never ended up throwing up, thank God. But I couldn't say no to food. And so he asked me this, this question. He says, so what's your diet? Like I said, I eat anything and everything. He's like, so what does that mean? Anything and everything. High calorie, high fat, whatever it needs to be able to get on, to be able to take on this muscle. He says, well, one thing I would take into consideration with your workout regimen and your diet is that you can look good on the outside, but your arteries are clogging up on the inside. And you can look like you're in shape. You can look like you have it all figured out. You can look like your, your heart is set, but on the inside, you'll find that there's blockage going on. We know this because you, you'll just one day you'll just fall over because of a heart attack. He goes, Eli, you be careful if you're not, if you keep, you keep up this regimen, you keep up this diet and you keep working out like this, one day you'll be running and you'll fall over. And I said, all right, you know what? I take your advice, but one thing that you are wrong about, I'm not gonna fall over because I don't run. <laughs> he said, fair enough. You're gonna have a heart attack. I said, all right, I understand that. See, because you can be fit on the outside, though, and still have artery blockage on the inside. 
And I can't help but think how right he was, that you can look good and still fall over. You can be married and still fall over. You can be successful and fall over. You can be religious in church each and every day and fall over because your heart is not right. Do you know how to set your heart? Do you know that you can set your heart? In order to set your heart, understand that you have to, David goes on a little bit further, you have to hate the condition of double-mindedness. Just, let's take it just one more verse, Psalm 119, verse 113. Paul, uh, David says this. There it is. He says this, Psalm 119, 113. He says, I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. He's talking about setting his heart, and all of a sudden he starts talking about people. I think he's on to something, is that sometimes it can feel like me, but it's not really me. And you have to learn how to hate that side of you. I know hate's a strong word, and not one that we talk about from the pulpit or in the Bible, but it's in the Bible. You gotta learn to hate that thing that destroys your heart. Hate is a powerful thing. And when he's talking about double-mindedness, I'd write this down. I don't have it on the screen for you, but double-mindedness is word and belief, basically thought, that does not line up with action. It's word and belief that does not line up with action. That I feel this way about my life, but I don't ever act on it. Or I want to do this, or I say I'm gonna do this, but I never do it. I say that I love them, but I never back it up with action. I say that I care, but I never actually show that I care. It's a double-mindedness where my mouth, my mouth is speaking things that I want to believe, but ultimately I don't believe them because I never apply myself to them. Because I am motivated by my feeling beyond my conviction. I'd write this down, and I want you to know this and take away from this today, is that you do not have to accept what you feel. You do not have to accept what you feel. This goes both ways. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's right. And just because it feels bad doesn't mean it's wrong. We don't base our decisions off of what we feel. It's not wrong just because it feels wrong. It's wrong because God's standard says it's wrong. So I'm not basing my decisions based off what I feel in a momentary circumstance. I'm basing it off of a conviction that I have in my heart. Because what you'll find is that your feelings will change. And if you don't base your decisions off conviction, you base them off of feelings, you'll end up doing something that you'll regret. See, because some things I hate how they feel in the moment, or I love how they feel in the moment, but I hate the result that it produces. You know how I know this? Because I hate to plank. But I like abs. My wife says amen. I hate to plank. But just because I hate it doesn't mean it's wrong. I know it's going to produce good results. But if we base our life off of feelings all the time, sorry, you ain't ever going to get that six pack. Sometimes you have to learn how to make a decision beyond what you feel. See, what you feel is temporary. 
And what you decide based off your feelings or off of the word of God determines your result. Before you can set your heart and before you can change your heart, you have to be motivated to hate the things that destroy your heart. You've gotta hate gossip. You've gotta hate lying. You've got to hate perversion. Not in the sense of hating the people or the world or yourself, but in hating what it does to the people or to the world and what it does to yourself. You've gotta learn to hate the result that it produces and the division that it causes, the division that it causes your relationships, your marriage, your friendships. You've gotta learn to hate it. See, it's complicated because you love what it does for you, but you hate what it does to you. I love what it does for me in the moment. I love to talk about people. Because in that moment, if I'm not feeling good about myself, I can go talk bad about someone else to someone else, and it makes me feel better about my dysfunction by pointing out theirs. I love to talk about people because it feels good in the moment. But the next time I see that person, you know why it's so dangerous? Because the next time you see that person, you can't treat them any better than what you talk about them. That is the state of double-mindedness. That I speak one thing, but my actions never line up with what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, and what I'm believing. The state of double-mindedness. And your heart, when you're talking about your heart, your heart can love how it makes you feel, what it does for you. But in the long run, it's hard for what it does to you. James says it like this. He says, in the same measure that you judge people, you also will be judged. He says it in James. I'm gonna read through the, the, the MSG version, James 4, uh, 11. I have this for you. One, one person just said is that, you know, MSG version stands for the message, but he was kind of a fitness guru. And he said, I like my word pure with no MSG in it. I get it. Now, you don't base your entire doctrine off of the message version, but it's a great paraphrase to be able to see uh, another angle in the word of God. And so there are some times where I really really enjoy it. I really like how the writer describes it here. And this is what he says. This is uh, uh, James 4.11. He says, don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? This is what I want you to take from this. Be careful what you say, and don't say something in a moment that you will regret for a lifetime. Don't say something about your wife. Don't say something about your kids. Don't say something about your friends that may be good to you in a moment, or even to you may just be a moment of anger, frustration, whatever it may be. But to them that heard it, it'll last a lifetime. And they'll remember those words. So be slow to speak, quick to listen, because your feelings will change. Emotions, my wife said it like this. I don't know, uh, she said it like this a few weeks ago. She said, the emotions and the feelings that you're having, it's important to acknowledge them. But it's like driving a car. You can't put them in the driver's seat. Emotions are like kids. You can't put them in the driver's seat, but you can't throw them in the trunk either. You have to be able to acknowledge them, but you don't let them control your life. You don't let them control your decisions. 
Feelings are real, but they are not reliable. Learn, learn to, to acknowledge the feeling that you have, but don't rely on the feelings that you're, you're having. What do you do when you don't feel God? How do you base your life, your decisions? I don't feel God, so what do I do? How do I set my heart? Well, you gotta know who God is. You have to set your heart on what God said. You have to know what God has spoken. So in your life, when you have moments when you don't feel God, does the Bible said, blessed are those who feel the Lord, for they will renew their strength? No. The righteous shall live by feeling. No, that's not in there either. The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith, and faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of God. So your life isn't dictated by what you feel. Your heart isn't set by what you feel. Your heart is set by the word of God. Feelings and emotions are temporary. They come and go. You can have the highest high on your wedding day or maybe even the lowest low when you've lost a loved one. Understand that that feeling will not stay. They will do this. The feelings will change and don't make a permanent decision on a temporary emotion. Because David understood that, that, he understood that when we're talking about feelings and we're talking about emotions that the heart can't be trusted. I, I know what they told you in third grade to follow your feelings and whatever you wanna do at that moment. Can I tell you that's bad advice? Because your heart cannot be trusted. Last week we talked about that, that you are not the best counselor to yourself. Your heart cannot always be trusted. I'm just gonna share with you, I got several verses that, that, that will help create this, this truth for you. And I'm gonna start it off, we talked about James about not talking bad about one another, not tearing down one another. But I wanna go back right before James talks about that in James chapter four, verse one, he says this. He says, what causes fights and quarrels in your marriage? What causes fights and quarrels in your dating relationships and your friendships? No, he says, basically says that. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? What are those desires? That's your heart. That's the double-mindedness. That's what you're feeling in your heart. And I wanna share with you just real quick. Uh, I have here on, I don't have it on the screen, so forgive me. But he goes on just a little bit further. He says, you want something, but you don't get it. This is verse two. So you want change, but you don't get it. Because what you're trying to do is change something. Change someone else. You're trying to change another person. He says, you kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have it because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend on what you get on your own pleasures. When you ask, he says, ask God. Rather than trying to change your husband, ask God. Because you've been trying. You've been trying to change your spouse. You've been trying to change your kids. He says, quit trying to do that. He says, when you ask, you do not receive. He says, just ask God about it. You don't have it because you don't ask God. So he's saying, quit trying to change the person and start asking God to do it. 
Because when you're, and this is what he goes into, he says, you ask with the wrong motive, it doesn't mean that you go to God and say, God, I pray that you would just change my wife. Just change her. Help her to stop being a beloved wife. God, help her to stop. God, I just pray for my boyfriend that he would just learn how to treat me right. Do you see how how it works? Is that you're asking for motive. The motive behind your prayer is important. Why are you trying to change that person? Why are you praying for that thing? Why are you praying for that relationship? Is it to better serve you? Is it to better serve you? Because your prayer, God knows the motives of your heart. He knows what you want. James 4.1 says that, why you can't trust your heart, Jeremiah 17.9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond care. Who can understand it? Proverbs 14.12 says this, that there is a way that appears to be right. Some other translation says to be, to, appears to be right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. It sounds a lot like following your feelings. It feels right, a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. It feels right to do this in my relationship. It feels right to have sex before marriage. It feels right to really, it feels right to just move in together and just, hey, we're just gonna, we're just, it feels right. There is a way that seems right to a person. There is a way that seems right to a person. There is a way that seems right to a person. There is a way that seems right to the word of God. It's not talking about you. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter if it feels right to you or not. What does this book say? What does this word say? You make your decisions based off of this. 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So the people you're hanging around can influence your heart, can influence your feelings. And if you're around people that are corrupting your character, they do not help you set your heart. But Proverbs 13, 20, we talked about this last week. Walk with the wise and become wise. Become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You set your heart. How do you set your heart? By his word. There go all my notes. <laughs> you set your heart by his word. That's how you set your heart. Your heart cannot be trusted. God can. So two things I want to get you, get to you today is set your heart by the word of God. And to trust God with the result. You set your heart with the word of God and then you trust God with the result. Because Psalms 119, 9-11 says this. Because we're all wondering this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. This is David talking. This is King David. And I'm not here to convince you that the word of God. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lay out this truth for you today, and I'm gonna let you make your decision. Because I won't be with you tomorrow. I won't be holding your hand on Friday night. I won't be holding your hand when you guys are uh, uh, hanging out really late at night when you know you should go home. I'm not gonna hold your hand when you go down and knock on that house. I'm not gonna be there. But you know who will be there? The word that he's spoken, the Holy Spirit will speak it to you. So I'm leaving it up to you, and I'm putting the balls in your court. Do with it what you want. But I implore you that this will be the best decision that you make to follow the word of God. Some people look at it as, why is God so restrictive? Why does he say that you can't do this and you can't do that? I look at it this way, is that he's protective. 
because he knows where these things lead to. He knows where these decisions lead to. He knows where the dysfunction leads to. He knows it. I've said it this way is that it's like God has parameters on our life. And I look at it the way God has parameters on our life is like how we have a dog and we build a fence. We don't build a fence to restrict their freedom. We build a fence so that they can run around and play. And they don't have to worry about getting hit by a car because they'll just go wherever they want. Next thing you know, sorry if I brought back memories. Childhood trauma. Max! I'm so sorry. (laughs) God puts parameters and, and, and standards around your life to help you. By living according to your word, I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Setting your heart, continually setting your heart. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs 4.20 says this, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flow from it. From, from it. Everything you do. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the path of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. He's saying keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, which means it's a continual battle for your heart. Keep it. How do you keep it? You gotta get in God's word and then trust him. Jesus said this, he said that what goes into a person's heart does not defile them. Or sorry, what goes into a person's body through the mouth does not defile them. But what about what we let into our heart? Because it is out of the heart comes these things. It is out of the heart. The Bible says to take captive every thought. Take captive every thought. And you gotta think, what is leading to this belief? What is leading to this action? What thought, where did this originate? Take captive every thought. There's a self-awareness that you have to have to know the thoughts that you are thinking. You gotta know the thoughts that you are thinking. The thoughts that you, that you contribute to, the emotion that you feel. Well, I feel like I'm just angry all the time. Why do you feel like you're angry? What's motivating that feeling? Why do you feel frustrated? Why do you feel like, why do you feel like you have to sleep with him? Why do you feel like you have to go with those guys and, and drink while you're underage? Why do, you, why do you feel like you have to do, is it because you feel like you have to fit in? You have to be accepted? But when you read the word of God, you realize that you're already accepted. You realize that there's not another thing that you can do to make him love you more. Another thing that you can do to make him love you less. You gotta find where did this thought originate? And I love what the writer of Proverbs, he's saying guard your heart. He's saying guard your heart. That doesn't mean restrict all emotion and thought. It means that you have to have a gatekeeper on how you're letting that emotion 
and feeling dictate what you think and how it influences your life. You gotta think like our, put it, put it this way. No one cares about that stain that you have on your shirt. And no one's noticed it today. They haven't. When you put on, oh, it's got a stain, everyone's gonna see this. No. Ladies, that pimple. They don't see it. It's a lot smaller than you're giving it credit for. Oh my gosh, I gotta cover this up, I have to. But you're letting it ruin your whole day. Every time you're talking to someone, oh, they're thinking about my pimple. They're thinking about it. So what if they are? A smart person knows that a pimple doesn't define you. And if they're letting that define you, I don't know if they're a real friend. So what if they do? What if it is about that? And what it is, is you go around and you're so consumed about what you're thinking about everyone else's thinking that you've forgotten how to trust God. So what if people do this or people say that or people, I trust God. So I'm gonna set my heart by his word and I'm gonna trust God with it. I'm gonna close with a few more verses. This is uh, Proverbs 3, verse five. It says this, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So it says, where do you align your heart? On your own feeling and your own emotion and what you understand? No, it says to trust the Lord. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. There's those paths again. Level paths for your feet. David talks about it, Proverbs talks about it. Psalm 37, four says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Those desires aren't necessarily your desires as much as they are. God will give you the desires that are good for you. So if you feel like you have some unhealthy desires, take delight in the Lord. If I could have everyone stand to your feet, I wanna, I wanna close with this one last verse here. Is this helpful? Regardless if it's helpful or not, it's what God told me to tell you, so it's up to you if you wanted it or not. Hey, David said this in Psalm chapter one, verse one. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. It's this book. And who meditates on it, on his law, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Another translation says that is continually yielding fruit. And its leaf does not wither, and whatever they do, prosper. I got two things for you today. To set your heart you set it by the word of God and you guard your heart by trusting God. And if you're in this place and you said, whether you've set your heart right or not, whatever it may be, but you need God's help to set your heart. Or if you're in this place and you can feel the devil, like we all know those things, I can feel God on this. You can feel those things where the, the devil's like, he keeps knocking. 
and he's trying to get you to, to go down that street. And you can feel it. You can feel it. There's a war going on in your heart, and the devil's reminding you of all these things. Of, of yeah, just, just, just watch that. Come on. You've had a tough week. Just watch that. Oh, come on. It, it's just a little bit of money you're taking from the company. It, it, no one's going to notice it. You can, it's like a, it's, 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 it's like a, a scratching. And it's starting to get to you. And I just want to say, I want to say that because God is here to help reset that and realign that. You don't have to bend the knee to that. You don't have to bend the knee to that. That constant pestering and that nagging to get you to compromise, you don't have to bend the knee to that. So if you're in this place and you're feeling, you're feeling, God, help me to set my heart. Help me to set my heart in the right direction. Or if you're also in this place and you can feel that, and you're saying, God, I need your help. Help me to guard my heart and not let the devil back in. I just want you to lift your hand. I wanna pray over you. Heavenly Father, you see these hands that are raised today. Father God, I thank you. Your word is true and it says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So right now, God, over your people, God, we put the helmet of salvation over them, the breastplate of righteousness the feet fitted with the gospel of peace, God, the sword of the spirit, God, and the shield of faith, God. We put that over each and every single person today. God, we bind them up, God, that they would be strong in the Lord and in his ways. God, that no weapon formed against them shall prevail against their marriage, against their families, against their friendships. God, we pray that they would be able to stand strong against the firing arrows of the enemy, God. God, I pray that you would help them, God, to set their heart. God, give them the wisdom, the encouragement, God, to know. Give them the Holy Spirit wisdom to know when they started to go down that path. God, where they'll have to check their heart. When they're checking their heart, God, I pray that you would bring the right Holy Spirit conviction upon them, God, to know what steps to take. God, and we pray for every single person that needs help guarding their heart. God, I thank you that they don't need to be the one that's fighting that battle, that they can fight from a place from victory. God, I thank you that they can fight from a place from victory, not for it, God, but they know that you've already won it. So right now, God, we just come before you and we lay at your feet. We're saying, God, this is who I am. This is where I am, where I'm at. God, we pray that you would help us to set our heart and that you would help us to guard our heart in our marriages, in our friendships, God, in our parenting. God, that we would align ourselves with your word, God. We pray that you would have your way in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, church. Let's close out and worship. Come on. Father God, you're more than enough. We don't need anything, God. We depend on you. We rest in you, God. Jehovah Jireh, you are our provider. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. And we wanna give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.